This is the Creative Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lopez. Hope you enjoy this podcast. It's set up and designed for coaches, leaders, and influencers to share their stories and inspire others to share their stories as well. That we can all learn together as a community and get better every day. So thank you for listening. You're season two. Today's guest is Ty Ellis. Coach Ellis is the head coach of the G League Stockton Kings. We talked in the day about his Texas ties, about how to sell yourself in opportune moments, how to conquer adversity, about being a head coach, and how to deal with fear and have faith. I hope you enjoy this podcast and look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, I appreciate you taking the time and making the time. Uh, and so let's jump right into this, Coach. Uh, how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of Dallas, Texas? To be honest with you, man, I just grew up playing it at the local gyms, the local rec centers and parks. And um, I just became fond of it because we played it every single day. Yeah, yeah. I hear you, and that that's a lot of our experiences is just, you know, some of us, some people have others that are in their lives that, you know, introduce them, mom, dad, somebody was a ball player, older brother, older sister, but some of us actually mm-hmm. just kind of gravitated on our own. That's kind of the way it was for me. Didn't have anybody in my life yeah. that, was, that was playing, yet all of a sudden I see my friends playing, and I said, okay, I want to try this game. If it's anything like football, let's do it. But it really wasn't. And, uh, you know, I still fell in love with it. Great competition. That's really what it was. The competitiveness. Yeah, the yeah. And, and the fact that you, yep. you could get better on your own. You didn't need everybody to get better. So that that's yep, yep. that's always the great thing about the game now. I want to ask you, what was your experience as a player? Because I know you had some success in college. But how did you kind of through your lens, because we all see things differently and some people could say, Oh yeah, you had a lot of success. It must've been great. But what was your experience as a player coach? Um, I just really enjoyed the camaraderie. Like I, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with my, my friends. I enjoyed that right there. And so I have a, a rawness to where I didn't play basketball because I was hoping to get something out of it, yeah. uh, like a, to be a pro ball player or to get, you know, the the fame, the fortune, or the accolades. I just really enjoyed playing and being around my friends, and I just got better. Yeah. And so before you know it, you know, um, my my height and my uh, uh, size kind of matured with my ability, and yeah. then I became a good basketball player. But I really just enjoy the essence of the of the game yeah i like how you put that the essence of the game because i think that's uh man there's places that we fit right naturally and then there's some places where we, mm-hmm. we don't belong at all and we we're not self-aware enough to figure that out uh but when you are mm-hmm. when you are self-aware there's these places you fit these spaces you fit and then all of a sudden it's like i never knew i could be good at this I never knew I could do be successful or even have any type of enjoyment doing this. And, yep. and like, you know, and we, we kind of, the culture nowadays for grassroots basketball and, 
even below that with little, little kids is there's this mindset, like, I got to make it. I got to be the next Braun. I got to be the next, you know, KD or whoever, right? And I think, mm-hmm. I think to mm-hmm. myself, man, longer, long gone are those days where kids just that are actively, like, seeking the competition and actively loving the game just for the game. And so it, it, they're, they're, they're still there. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. But uh, like you said, it's uh, we didn't have all that influence back in the day. We didn't have all that to look up to, look forward to. So I, yeah, I appreciate that 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 kind of that understanding. Like you said, the essence of the game. That's really good. Now I want to ask you. Yeah, I want to ask you, Coach. Who or what influenced you to go into the coaching profession? Uh, the coaching profession. Um, well. I, I played at Dallas Carter, which is a very prominent athletic high school. So yeah. uh, my basketball team, were, we were ranked nationally. We had a bunch of really good guys, and I was just an average kid. And so uh, I knew that I wasn't good, good as my friends, but their athletic ability and their basketball skill, I wasn't able to uh, – I didn't have at that age, but the mind – you know, knowing knowing the game and, and, and teaching the game and understanding the game, there was no limit on, you know, there was no limit on me doing that. And so I always wanted to coach. I'm a natural leader. I've always been a leader. Uh, um, I've always embraced the responsibility of leading. Let me put it that way because everybody is a leader. Some people lead poorly, some people lead good, but everybody is a leader. But I've always embraced that role. And so uh, I, I literally went to college with, uh, so my freshman year of high school, I put a plan together to where I can, I can finish high school with a semester of college courses. Wow. And so I took summer classes every single summer in high school so when my senior year came, I'll be taking college college courses. Yeah. So I did that knowing that if I go into college, I could redshirt my freshman year, and by the time I finish my, my playing eligibility, I would have graduated with my master's. So I could just go right into college coaching, and I didn't have to do like the grad do the grad assistant. Because right. I did not want to be in school without the carrot, and the carrot is the me playing me playing basketball. I'm not that disciplined of a student. So if I have basketball, if I have to pass my classes to play basketball, I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, and so yeah. uh, I, I I knew that early. And so when I finished my my uh, my eligibility in college, that was the last semester of my of grad school. And so I was going to go right into college coaching, but you know, I got better and better, and before you know it, you know, uh, I'm playing pro ball. And so, uh, it's a funny, funny story, man. Not a funny story, but a story that I tell a lot of um, young, aspiring uh, professional athletes. So my senior year, so first of all, I, I went to Southern Nazarene, which is a small Christian NAI school in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. And so. Uh, I was a really good college player, but it was at the NAI level. Mm-hmm. In fact, I I um, finished my senior year first-team All-American Player of the Year in my conference, having a lot of points, and just had a phenomenal year. And so there's this thing called the PIT, 
Mm-hmm. And for those of you who, who don't know what the PIT is, it's the Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. And so what this tournament is, the NBA has this tournament where they where, where they invite all college seniors from from different colleges who didn't get enough shine, but uh, they they want to help them play in front of uh, all these NBA scouts. Gotcha. It's in Virginia, and so uh, the way the court is set up, uh, it's a court on on each side. Their fans, one baseline is fans, and the other baseline is all NBA personnel. Every team is uh, is represented there, and so what I did was I called. Marty Blake and I asked him, "Could I get invited?" You know, I I first came on American all these numbers, and he politely told me that the, that my college level was too low, well, basically, and this is for NCAA players. Yeah, and so right right then and there, I had to face adversity, yeah. and it didn't. I didn't fall; it just fueled me. Yeah. And so I raised money by cutting grass, by cleaning garages by doing anything I, I could to raise money to, um, to fly out there. And so I, I flew to uh, Virginia with a backpack, with, with a suit, a backpack for the tapes and bios that I had uh, created. And I sat at this one corner to whereas anybody who passed me from the uh, NBA side, anybody who left going to the restroom or, 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 or leaving the building, they had to pass me. And so I was right there. How you doing? I'm I'm Ty Ellis. I wasn't invited, but I can play at this level. Here's my information. Please give me a shot. I said that maybe 70 times during that week. By the end of the week, I'm so frustrated because I know I can play at this level. I'm looking at these games like I know I'm better than some of these guys. Yeah. And so uh, I walked to the local Y, and Miss Kupchick is there working out on the elliptical. Now, mind you, I met I met Mitch. But for those of you who don't know Mitch, at that time he was general manager and president of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. Now he's currently has that same role with the uh, Charlotte uh, Hornets. Yeah. And so uh, Mitch is uh, with 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 shoes on. He's like six eleven uh, or so on the elliptical. He's like seven two. <laughs> so he's on the he's on the elliptical. And I'm like, man, I'm about to uh, uh, in the, interrupt this this guy's workout. I'm kind of low key stalking him, getting uh, <laughs> getting get, get get my getting my 20 second speech. Yeah. Now I'm a pause. I'm a pause my story right here. Okay. And and, and and let you guys know that I grew up stuttering really really bad. Okay. Like really bad to where I couldn't even go up in front of the class and, and like read or do math problems. It was so bad that I never spoke. And so my teachers thought I was autistic, but then I passed all of my my classes with, with A's and then they thought I was a genius. So I went from two ends of the spectrum yeah. from being autistic or being a genius. And the problem was I just couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Like in, in my mind, I knew what I wanted to say. I just couldn't. And so uh, I took a speech pathologist class, and I learned how to, how to control my breathing and and, and kind of uh, defeat this speech impediment. And, and that was in that was in elementary school. And so once I defeated that, I became fearless. Like I'm I'm not afraid of anything now, right? And so let's let's start back this 
let's pick up where I left off. Yeah. So I see Mitch Kupchak working out, and all of my insecurities of my childhood of stuttering, it just boils up. Whoa. Right? Like, and I have to, I got 20 seconds to interrupt this man's workout and to, and to let him know how, how much I would love the opportunity. You know, the best case, best case scenario, he brings me into the gym at the Y works me out. Worst case, he says, all right, thank you and have a good day. Yeah. Right. And I, and I'm, and I'm battling this mentally right, right now. And I said, screw it. I, I went for it. <laughs> and so I, um, I sparked up a conversation. Mitch brings me into the, um, the gym. He works me out 45 minute workout. Uh, 30 minutes of straight running, you know, just sprints and suicides and 17s. Yeah. The last 15 minutes, uh, you know, shots and dunks and things and things like that. And two weeks later, he invited me to play for the Lakers Summer League team. Wow. You know, and, and that's how my pro career started. Wow. I had a great summer with the Lakers and, and also played for the Knicks uh, Summer League team. Uh, I wound up getting drafted by in the inaugural season of, of the G League. Uh, so I did my first year in the U.S. with the G League, and then thereafter, I played with different NBA teams for Summer League, and I played well, and I got my first European opportunity in the ACB, you know, uh, which is regarded as the second-best league in the world. That's in Spain. Yeah. And I spent ten, and I spent 10 years – in uh, Europe, man, playing in EuroLeague and just really enjoying my time. And so that story means a lot to me because my goal wasn't to play professional basketball. My my goal was to get my master's degree and go right into coaching. Wow. You know, yeah, my, yeah. My, my, my goal wasn't to play 11 years of professional basketball. You know, all of the goals that I had, you know, God has something different for me. For but sure. the, the key thing for the key thing is, is I was ready. Yeah. If I if I wasn't in the best shape of my life, the thirty minutes of running that Mitch uh, had me do, I would have failed miserably, and and he wouldn't have taken me serious. Yeah. He literally asked me, uh, "Are you tired?" I said, "No, I'm not tired. I can I can I can run uh, some more if you want me to." He said, "No, no, that's okay." But I was ready. Yeah. And and I see it so many times. These young men, they talk the game. Yeah. They talk about how much they, they they want something, but they're not prepared. Right, right. And and, and so I, I tell young young athletes, everybody gets one shot. Yeah. Some of us will get two, three, and four opportunities, but everybody gets one. And that one opportunity can happen when you least expect it. Yeah. You know, and so uh, uh, I'm I'm a fairly young coach, and I look young. I look like I I still play, yeah, right? And so in 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 Vegas during the showcase, I'm on the elevator with players, yeah, and uh, uh, and they don't know who who uh, I am, but they're talking locker room talk, yeah, they're yeah, yeah. they're verbiage, they're talking about things they shouldn't be talking about in public. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here looking at him, and I had to stop him. I said, "Yo, bro, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the head coach of a junior team, and and I'm telling y'all, you guys shouldn't be 
having this conversation because when my boss asked me, I know you guys. Mm. I know your names. I know your games. And if my boss asks me about a call-up and your name is mentioned, I'm going to tell them what I just heard. Yeah, yeah. God. Right? That's and so that was, their, that was their opportunity. Right? And there's so many players, man, they don't understand the business. They think it's all about putting the ball in the basket, and it's not. Yeah. And so, uh, uh, and so I, I said all of that to say, man, man, uh, uh, nobody would would have never thought that I would be the kid to grow up and play professional basketball and be a pro- professional head coach. I I speak for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I and not only basketball. I speak in different companies. I have a, a performance group where. I, um, my wife and I started a performance group where we go to different companies, colleges, businesses, talk about effective leadership, talk about so many different things. And I speak for a living. Yeah. But nobody, people who know me from back when I was younger would never think that I would be the guy to speak. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just crazy how, 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 how God works, man. But yeah, no. yeah. So it was, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. You said you said a whole lot, and I kind of want to go over some of that because I think our listenership would appreciate, you know, kind of dissecting that to a degree in that, you know, you talked about adversity kind of helping you to learn how to overcome. You overcame one thing, and then you learn how to overcome anything else because you you initially did the work early on as a child to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so then it just became a habit. And I think, like, you talked about God's plan for you and how— uh, you know, we're called to be overcomers at the end of the day. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's no doubt in our minds when we step into a situation and adversity befalls us or we walk into a place where there's adversity, it's time to overcome. That's like, that's game time. Like you said, the opportunity with Mitch Kupchak, that's game time. It's time to go. It's time to run. It's time to perform. Because uh, you, you said, mm-hmm. and I love what you said, everybody gets one chance. You might get two or three, but you get at least one. And I think that's yep. important for everybody listening because that, that can apply to coaches as well that are looking for the next job, the next opportunity, and they're in a space where it's like there's so-and-so, there's the AD, there's the general manager, there's the whoever, and you have your one shot mm-hmm. and to make the best of it and to make the most of it and not just to be ready but be prepared. Don't talk the talk. Yep. And when the opportunity comes, you you wither and you fold. So yeah, no, I appreciate yeah. it. You know, and it's such a testimony to hear how like I you do public speaking now. And that's that's a lot of people's biggest fear. And then just to know mm-hmm. that you came from a place where as a child you were you couldn't get two words out together or a sentence yeah. together yeah. to doing that. Yeah. Like, it's such a testimony. I, and I'm glad you shared that because I'm a big believer in when people share what they've overcome, when they te- to give the testimony, that encourages other people and that lets people know. You can do it too. Mm-hmm. Depending on who, what, yeah. depending on what you what, what and who you trusted, you can do it too. And so, I really appreciate that, man. I, 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 that's so much you do. Now, I want to ask you, yeah. which coach, like, was it the first time coaching, right? Because you set yourself up to be there, yet it was in an indirect way. Uh, what was the most like? You have a real memorable moment of your first experience as a coach. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll never uh, forget winning my first game as a head coach. Uh, the how how proud I was yeah. during that moment. Um, and there are, are, are moments throughout my career where guys have 
So people know me as a strong uh, believer. Not that I walk around with my Bible and pushing it, push it up on everybody or hitting people across the head with it, but my <laughs> my actions, you know, yeah. uh, I'm just not, you know, for, for me being a strong Christian, I mean, not that I'm perfect, I'm just not comfortable with sin. Right. I sin every day just like everybody else. I'm just not comfortable with it. Right. And, I, and I repent and I try my best to do a better job the following day. Right, but... So many of my former players have, have, there's two situations specifically. The one, there's a young man named Xavier Silas. Yeah. He plays, uh, now, now he's, uh, now he's coaching, uh, ironically in the G League for, for Delaware. Yeah. And he, he was going through something and we were in Toronto and he called me and said, can I talk with you? And I said, sure, you know, so we go down to the quiet space in the lobby area and we start talking and I'm helping him. I'm listening to what he's going through and I offer some advice. And then he asked me, could we pray? Wow. And we prayed, I prayed, and man, before the prayer was over, both of us were just crying. Yeah. And 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 that's for me as a leader. That means way more than just basketball. For sure, the wins and losses. Like like that's what that's why I do this. Yeah, you know that 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 meant so much to me that he feel vulnerable enough to to ask me to pray with him. And so uh, I'll never forget that. And then uh, it was a, I had an exit interview with, with with a player last year, and so he's telling me now this guy is currently now he plays for the Heat. Uh, uh, his name is Gabe Vincent. Okay. And so uh, Gabe averaged eight points his his rookie year last year. This year he averaged twenty four and got called up, and now he, he's um, with the Heat. But last year. We were talking, and and it was doing an exit interview, and and we're asking him, you know, about the season, and he says like he appreciates how we care about him more than we care about his talent. Yeah, and yeah. he said, Coach, you're, Coach, you're you're like you're the head coach, like, and I and I look at him, and I say, Okay, thank you, I'm a head coach. He said, No, no, but he points to his head. So no, you're like the head coach. Yeah. And when he said that, it meant the world to me because that's what that's that once again, I'm not doing this to get wins. Yeah. Wins on the scoreboard rather. You know, I I really teach my staff how to uh incorporate I, I have this thing called flow. Flow is the acronym, focus, learn, ownership, and work on you. Wow. And I teach my staff flow and entail my staff teach the players flow, how to keep their flow through adverse and advantageous situations, how to keep your focus and how to refocus, how to learn, relearn, and then apply, how to own who you are, own your mistakes, yeah. because there is no accountability without ownership. Wow. It doesn't work. Wow. Accountability is such a buzzword. Yeah. And that buzzword is saturated throughout society, in our homes, in our jobs. But we forget the word ownership, mm. right? And then work. Not work hard, but work on you. 
Yeah. It's a prerequisite that you have to work hard to be good in anything. Yeah. But regarding work on you, work on you is synonymous with greatness. Every single day, I'm, I'm focused on being great. I'm going to be better than I was yesterday. And greatness is an achievement, but being great is the action. And I wow. teach these guys, work, working on you, you will uh, achieve greatness. But you can't work on you when you want to work on you. It, it, it has to be every single day. Yeah. Your intent, your purpose has to be to, to be better than I was yesterday. And so I teach my staff this. I teach my my players this. And I hold them accountable only because they've embraced ownership. Only because they have told me that, Coach, I want to experience greatness. And if you want to experience greatness, I can help you. You know, so I've, I I build a culture of growth, of, of having a, a growth mindset and having a culture of development, like the, the, the person, not the game. And, and if we develop as people, the basketball happens organically. Yeah. You know, these players will be good uh, basketball players with or without me. Yeah. Right? But I can help them become better, yeah. better people. Yeah. And because they're focused on being a better person, the basketball will just happen. Wow. You know, you're talking about, there's another buzzword out there. It's called holistic, right? The holistic approach, right? So mm-hmm. that's what this sounds like. You're telling me something that, you know, in my life and in my career, and, and I hope in other people's careers, it, that takes precedence over winning. I mean, you got to win to get paid. You got to win to keep your job. I understand that. However, uh, you want to live a life that is so much more meaningful than just basketball and the people that you get to influence and impact every day. Like you talked about that story with Xavier. I mean, it's like he's a grown man, you know, at that point. And he's he's vulnerable, like you said, because that's so important right now. Vulnerability. To let people know mm-hmm. that, yeah, you, you you go through things too, and and you stated that as well. You know, we're all sinners saved by grace, mm-hmm. and you're not better than anybody. You're just aware now, and I think that's so important in this game. We need more of that because uh, these young men that we deal with and these grown men that we deal with are all going through things, especially right now in this time of our society. However, they can overcome them. However, we we all together we can overcome them. And so when you make that your coaching career about that, then you win every day. You get better every day, like you said. I think that's fantastic, Coach. You, you're, you're dropping serious gems on us, and, and I really appreciate it because that's what this platform is about. This platform is not just about yeah. talking about the game. It's about learning how yeah. to treat people yeah. right and, and get better every day. Yeah, great stuff, Coach. i tell you what, man. There are so many coaches – whether they're young coaches or, or even NBA coaches. I won't say any names, but I've been around NBA head coaches mm-hmm. and they only care about the results of the game. For sure, yeah. And, when you, and, and as, a, as a former player, when I recognize a coach that, that, that don't care about me as a person, that, 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 that don't even spend the time to, to know about my family, to, to know about, you know, to even recognize my birthday, you know, those types of things that you only know by, by by trying to understand this person, I will not, and I did not give that, that coach 100% of me. Mm. I wasn't going to take that charge. Right. I wasn't going to dive on the floor for him because he's coaching me with the means to an end. Yeah, He's using my talent. And as a man, I do not want to be used. 
right? And I hear all these coaches on these different Zoom calls. They talk about analytics. They show these plays. They do all this basketball stuff, and they are missing the boat big time. For sure. Basketball, you, you don't – basketball comes and goes. Like, these players will respect you because of your position, mm-hmm. but they will but, – but you have to earn their trust. Sure. You earn their trust by your willingness to understand who they are. And, and the biggest thing about coaching, so many coaches, they talk. They talk, 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 and they, and they do not shut up and listen. <laughs> if you listen more than you talk, the player will tell you how to coach them more effectively. Right. But we tell, we do too much telling. I'm going to tell you to do, tell you what to do. No, I don't do that. Right? I, I meet with every single one of my players and I ask them, what are your personal goals? Wow. What do you want to become better at? And then I tell them, after they told me, then I tell them, I understand that. And we're going to focus on your personal goals, but this is what I see you have to improve on. This is your role on this team. So therefore, I listened and I've, I've embraced humility. And now this, now this person has told me what he wants to get better at. And because I asked the question to get the answer that I want, and it came out of that person's mouth, now you own it. Wow. Right? But if I was to tell him, you must get better at this, you must get better at that, and then, all right, thank you, and leave, he didn't own, he doesn't own anything. Right, right, yeah. Right? But once, once he owned it, now I can hold him accountable. Mm. And that's the problem that I've seen with so many coaches. They talk too much. Mm. Just shut up and listen. <laughs> right. And now and now we're doing this together. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I see it all the time with different cultures, different teams. You know, so many teams talk about playoffs. You know, but the culture is bad. Yeah. You know, one of my one of uh uh my the people who, who I have so much respect for in the coaching business. One of my mentors, I spent time with him when I was in Arizona. And his, his name is Herm Edwards. He's the head coach of ASU right now. Wow. Yeah. And Her, Herm told me this. He said, Ty, within a bad organization or bad team, there's two things that's happening. Either you coaching it or you are allowing it. Wow. Don't be the coach. Don't be a coach that always blames the uh, players. Yeah, that's a coward's way out. That's the easy way out. We're gonna blame the players to keep our job. No, if you want them to take ownership, you take ownership first. Yeah, and either you coaching it or you are allowing it. Wow, right? And so when he said that, man, that 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 just set the foundation for who I am as a person, as a father, as a leader, you know, uh, and 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 who I am as a as a coach. Wow, that's deep. Because that's, uh, there's another saying that kind of goes along with that. Whatever you allow, you accept. And there's just certain things we can't accept in our lives. There's certain, you know, just mm-hmm. here again from a life perspective, because we're talking about bigger than basketball, bigger than coaching, bigger than in results, uh, not treating people like they're means to an end. Uh, it's just, mm-hmm. just great stuff all around, man. Flow. I like that. I like that because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you talked about accountability. And that's something nationally we see on TV every day. People not taking accountability or being held accountable. And so mm-hmm. society as a whole, especially the younger generation, thinks that applies to them too. Like they don't have to be accountable. 
You know, I don't have mm-hmm. to answer for this because so-and-so don't have to answer for that. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. And so the culture, you're right, the culture is dictating right now uh, certain things in society, and we need to do a better job as, as leaders. Like you said, everybody's a leader, and we need to do yep. a better job of taking the culture by, I don't know, with force. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. have to use yeah. that word, but we got to use, I mean, because yeah. everybody gets, gets offended with that word force, but... We need to take the culture by force if we want to see real change. Uh, otherwise, it's not yep. going to happen. We're just going to talk, like you said. Yeah. We're not going to listen. We're going to talk. So that's here again, man. Great, great stuff. Very applicable. Yeah, thank you. So, Coach, I want to ask you, you know, like you talked about players talking about this, talking about that, but yet not being ready or being prepared. Uh, I want to ask you a question about, because the difference between a pro and a professional like, what separates a, a pro player who has the talent from a professional, somebody who's doing the right things and is going to have uh, a sustainable career? Um, commitment and um, commitment, consistency, and discipline. Wow. Like, there, there are so many guys, they, they commit to the game. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. So... I take my, my son swimming about four or five years ago. My son is five years old. In his mind, the day before, I told him we were going swimming tomorrow. He was committed to, to going swimming. He, don't, he didn't care how cold it was outside. He didn't care about none of that. Yeah. His mindset was on swimming. Yeah. So the, the following day, we get there, and it's a little chilly outside. And I'm like, man, I don't know, should we go? Maybe it's going to be too cold for him. He takes his clothes off, runs, and jumps in the pool. Wow. <laughs> he had no fear of that water being cold. Now, whereas me, I walk down the steps. <laughs> and when that water gets towards my inner thigh, I turn around and I go back. <laughs> so I was committed. Both of us were committed to swimming. But his level of commitment was way more than mine. Because <laughs> wow. there's a moment in time, there's a moment in time when you jump in a swimming pool, you can't turn back. Yeah. <laughs> there is no turning back. And so he was committed. Now, whereas me, as soon as, soon as it got rough, it got cold, I turned around. And you have so many players in this game who have commitment by going down those steps. Yeah. And the ones who have commitment that that's gonna jump in, you you see those guys on TV. You see those guys in the headline. Yeah. Being great, the Donovan Mitchells, the Jamal Murray, they are fully committed to the game. And whatever it takes, you see LeBron James at year seventeen jumping with his head still at the at the rim. Yeah. He's committed. He he jumped in. Yeah. Or you see guys who talk about it and they get, and they walk down the stairs and when they get hard, they turn around. Yeah. And they would rather do something else. And so, to me, that's the difference: commitment, consistency, and discipline. Wow, that, those those three things. That's it. Yeah, those things preach on their own. That's a good word. Yep. That those things right there. I mean, apply them to your life, and watch. Like you talked about, a growth mindset. That's all part of that. Mm-hmm. And and every yep. day, every day, applying that to your life. You're not going to be perfect. Because no one was except for one person. And so mm-hmm. we, we, at the end of the day, need to find that 
commitment, consistency, and discipline. Words to live That's by. It. Words to live by. Yeah. Now, Coach, I would ask you, the job is great. The impact you're having is great. And the fun you're probably having is there, too. But what's the most challenging part of your job? The most challenging part of my job is moments like this. Right? Moments like this where, as a player, a team could watch me, could watch my skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, on video and know immediately that this guy's talent fits our system and we want him. Gotcha. As a coach, it's the exact opposite. Mm. Right? There's so much relationship hires yeah. that it, it becomes frustrating at times. Yeah. You know, the, 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 unfortunately, I'm not under contract right now with nobody. Mm. I believe that I will find a job with no problem. Yeah. I believe that 100%. I prayed about it, so I'm not going to worry about it. And, the last, and my last two years were one of the best two years of all GD teams regarding call-ups and wins, mm. right? And so I know I'm going to find a job. But the frustrating part is that I'm going to have to move my family again, Yeah, right? I'm going to have to set up roots again. Like, it's frustrating to get more compliments and people calling me from other organizations than I get than I do from this organization that I was currently with. Yeah. Those things are those are the frustrating things that people on the outside don't really know about. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh being in, in in one place for a couple of years and then you have to move. Not because you didn't do your job, because other people didn't do their job. Yeah, you know, or 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 because it's a relationship. Well, they want to give this person your job because I've known this person for, you know, for 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 decades or so. And so that's difficult at times, but I also know that what I pray for is I pray for stability. I pray for opportunities to meet. Yeah, whether it's on the court or off the court, I pray for courage. I pray for strength. And during my prayer, I understand that God also closes doors. Mm-hmm. We always talk about God opening doors. Please open this door for you. But I also pray that God, if this is not where I can I can do these things, please slam this door uh, shut. Yeah. And so with that being said, I'm okay with where I, I'm at now because I know God is working in the background. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it just my son having to meet new friends those types of things. Uh, uh, at, at times I feel that guilt, you know, cause he don't understand this business. He just want to stay with him and, and hang out with his friends, yeah. you know, but I'm very thankful that, that I have a phenomenal wife who uh, kind of, she, she's a rock of our family and she makes things work. And so, uh, but that's the hardest thing, man. It has nothing to do with the actual job. Yeah, because I know I can do the job. I know what type of leader I am, uh, but just that side of it can get difficult at times. And that's understandable. That's like the we have a ton of college coaches that listen in, right? So they understand that they know the mm-hmm. that it's one of the most volatile careers you can jump into because you never know what's going to happen. One day you're sitting yeah. on the hog. Everybody loves you. Next minute. The business, you know, 
yeah, and everybody's yeah. talking relational, 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 and then they're like, well, this is business. And so you have yep. to be prepared for those encounters in those situations because nobody ever knows what's going to happen next when it comes to those things. However, your future has already been decided, and when you hold on to yep. that, uh, you can live with peace and comfort yep. in that. And not, not always going to be easy, but, man, it's a lot easier when you yeah. do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and also, like, I don't put all my eggs in coaching basketball. Yeah. Like, I'm a coach. I'm a leader. You know, um, yeah. as I said before, my my wife uh, and I have uh, the Ellis Performance Group where, you know, we're, we're talking with different companies. And I'm actually talking with, Ken- with Kennesaw State in a couple of weeks. And so, like, it won't stop whether I, I, I refuse to give the NBA power over my piece. Right, right. I refuse to. Yeah. My peace is not in the NBA. My peace is with God, and, and knowing that if I if I don't coach this year, it's not because they didn't want to hire me. It's because God wanted me to to do something else. Yeah, you know, when I'm talking to different groups, right, especially to these these kids, my kids, these young men and women, and I ask them a question: What is your what if tied to? What is your what if tied to? Is it tied to fear or is it tied to faith? Mm. And for me, it's toxic faith. Yeah. So moments like this, I'm not fearful that I won't find a job. You know, my, my what if is toxic faith. What if I do find a job? What if I find the perfect job? Because the God that I serve, and, and God is not a liar. Right. Right? And right. his book is full of promises. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so if, if I'm obedient and I, and I walk according to his will, he will provide for me. Yeah. And so I'm cool with that. So what what is what is your word of to fear or faith? Wow, big time stuff, man. Like big picture, long game, all that growth mindset again. People don't understand how mm-hmm. if you win the battle on your mind, it sets you up for the battle outside your mind. In reality, you know the, re- the reality of life. Uh, that's what you got to win first. Absolutely, win up there and mm-hmm. win out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Now I would ask you, Coach. Cause we're talking about your career and all, and, and I and I always yeah I ask coaches this sometimes because I always think about what could I do differently in my career? How could I? Because you talked about it's not just about the game, so managing your career, stuff like that. How do you feel? Maybe uh, coaches out there are managing their career properly. I think they're 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 focusing on the next opportunity and not being great where where they're at now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, um, I think um, I, I was I went through ten head coaching interviews in a matter of uh, two summers before I got my head coaching shot, and I learned when they ask you, "What do you see yourself in five years or three years?" The worst answer you could give is, "I want to be an NBA head coach, or I want to be a director of scouting, or a GM, or." No, that's a setup question. They want you to know, they want to hear if you're focused right now. Yeah. And so when they first asked me that, well, I see myself ascending to a front of the bench and being an NBA head coach. And I, and I answer that question consistently with, with, with conviction, you know, not understanding that that was a completely wrong answer. But no. the first time I answered, I answered that question, you know, I'm not focused on the future. 
like five years from now, I focus on today. You know, if I'm blessed to, to get this job, I'm going to be the best Jimmy head coach I can possibly be. I'm not going to try to be the best. I will be the best. I'm going to give my best. I'm not going to try my best. But when I said that, I got, you know, they offered the job to me. Wow. You know, and so when uh, I talk to people on LinkedIn or people reach out to me with these different social pla- social platforms, they have all these big as dreams and aspirations, which is fine. But I want to hear what you're going to be 10 years from now, five years from now, because I know how volatile this business is. Yeah, I want to hear you say, I want to be committed to you. I want to be committed to the players and do any and everything I can to help each player reach their individual ceiling. Yeah. Wow. And if I hear that, I'm like, okay, that's a little bit different. This person's different. But everybody telling me, well, who, who, who they trained, who they worked out, where they want to be, they're going to be a head coach. I hear that all the time. Right. But I don't care about none of that. I don't, I really don't. Don't bore me with your <laughs> your aspirations because everybody have them. Yeah. So what about what are you, what are you going to to do now? Or what have you done since this conversation? Do you know sports code? Well, no. Nah, what is sports code? But do you know how to do fast draw, fast fast scout synergy, coaches think? No. Nah, what what's that? Well, come on, man. You're not serious about this. Yeah. You know, you you you're you're more focused on what you see on social media and TV than how the sauces is actually made. Wow, wow, that's big time right there. Because you're you're saying here again, don't talk about it, be about it. Don't just be ready, be prepared. Because yep. uh, yep. I hear like, I hear a lot of people say, "I'm ready, I'm ready for my opportunity." Even sometimes I catch myself saying that. You know, recently I've been in some mm-hmm. conversations with some people about making a pivot right in my career. And and I catch myself sometimes saying to myself, man, I'm so ready for this, but I'm thinking, am I prepared? Am I really prepared for this? Mm-hmm. Am I prepared to make the changes necessary? Am I am I going to walk in to add value right away? Or am I going to walk in and have have to have somebody hold my hand? You know, those are the things you got to ask yourself. And, uh, yeah. yeah, fantastic stuff. It's I'll great. tell you, Go ahead. I was not ready. I was not ready when I thought I was ready to be a head coach, I would have failed miserably. Mm-hmm. You know, during that third summer of all those interviews, I didn't get not one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was upset because I thought I was ready. But looking back on it, I wasn't ready. Yeah, I wasn't ready at all. And so uh, things things, things uh, work out for a reason. Yeah, for sure. Easy. Again, back to God's plan. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, you know, people use that term because of Drake and God's playing that song, but I don't know. And when I look at it this way, God's purpose, that's that's really what mm-hmm. it is. The plan is the plan. Mm-hmm. But if there's no purpose, there won't, there won't be much of a plan. So I got right. to rework right. that. So I would ask you now, yep. I would ask you now, Coach, you know, you talked about, you know, how you go about helping your team, uh, assisting with kind of life matters, uh, right now, the way things are in society, and we just kind of witnessed something the other day where where society's back in the uproar. Again, we're in a pandemic, all that. Where do you think coaches, yourself, or anybody can find center or hope? Center of hope comes from consistency and faith, man. Like, okay. we, we have to believe. 
so 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 there's a word that um I use to describe my faith, and that word is audacious. Mm, nice. Right? There people people always say when 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 you hear the word audacity, you think of something negative. The audacity of this person, or the audacity <laughs> of, of 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 whatever. Yeah. What if the belief in faith is audacious? Yeah. Right? I do believe that we will beat this pandemic. I do believe that 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 society will get back to normal. Yeah. You know, and so during during this uh social uproar or the the social climate, it we we are fractured as a um as a country. Yeah. Right? And I, I think part of that is we lack empathy for one another. For sure. The right side lack empathy for the left side, the left side lack empathy for the right side and we're stuck in our ways. We listen to 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 fight, to debate as mm-hmm. opposed to listen to to understand. Yeah. And and I think partly because of our, our the, the country's leadership has failed us miserably. Uh um you know, but not to, I, I hate talking politics, but the facts are the fact that once we get better, better leadership, uh, and if that leader embraces empathy, whoever that is, I think we as a country will start to uh, follow follow suit. But if that leader promotes division, well, that's what it is, you know. Yeah. So uh, as a coach, we can't take on that burden of being uh, that burden of, of, of being like the high and mighty, like um, trying to force change. Right. Right. As a leader, we have to exemplify change. We have to show change with our actions and not just our words. Right. You know, and so when, 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 when I talk to one of my former players, I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about their lives, man. What's what's going on? You know, let's talk about uh, uh, the Brianna Taylor. You know, let's talk about the George Floyd. Are you good? Yeah. You know, and then if basketball comes up, basketball comes up. But I'm not calling you to talk about have you been working out. I don't care about that. You know, I, I really don't. The, the season is five months away, six months away. So why am I working focusing on? basketball at this point in time. So as leaders, we have to embrace that role, but also be purposeful with, with our actions because we, we are being watched. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, you know, you talk about leadership or the lack thereof. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a system. We talk about systemic racism, right? And, 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 mm-hmm. and it's, it's built into a, to a lot of aspects of our society, Right. But we have a mm-hmm. systemic lack of leadership. Everybody wants to point mm-hmm. to, to one or two or three or five or ten people. But uh, that's why I always tell people, vote local. You know, the, the presidential mm-hmm. election, yeah, it's very important, no doubt. But your local stuff, man, your local stuff is mm-hmm. going to dictate a lot. And so in, yeah. in your personal day-to-day life, quite honestly. So yeah. I, I love what you're saying because leadership is all – uh, it all, I don't want to say it all begins and ends, but when you're in a society like ours, it pretty much does. And uh, yeah. so we yeah. we just got to be aware of that empathy. Love it. I love empathy because yeah. it says I, I may not, I'm never going to be able to walk in your shoes, but I want, right. I need to learn to understand how your shoes fit you 
and where they've been. Yeah. And so I just super yeah. important, super important. Yeah. And and and, and I I, I want to piggyback off of this. I I did a, a Zoom meeting where I was talking with a lot of different cultures of, of, of different races, right? And so part of my responsibility or the way I fight the fight is reaching out to my my white brothers, my white friends, my white colleagues, my white peers right. and, and and letting them know that if you wanna if you wanna learn more about my race and my culture or what I've gone through or try to understand why some of these people are are, are, are hurt or ride or right right rioting or doing some of these things, ask me. Yeah. Because I do have friends who are afraid to ask because they don't want to be deemed as a racist. And that's unfair. That's unfair as a black man to 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 uh, uh fault you for not knowing. Yeah. Nah. I embrace that conversation so now I can educate you. Yeah. So I can help you understand. That's the bridge. That's the empathy that we, that me as a black man, have to show my 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 white brothers, my yeah. white friends. You only know what you know, and if you don't know, I can't fault you for that. Right. And so if we bridge that gap, let me help you coach your team full of uh, that are predominantly black. Let me help you understand them. Right, if you, and so these are types of conversations that we got to have in the coaching community, and some black coaches don't want to have their conversations, and some white coaches don't want to have their conversations. So now we now we're back at square one, <laughs> and and this is a perfect opportunity for us in the coaching community to build that bridge. Yeah, this is where it makes sense more than ever. This is where yeah. this is where like if you have to allocate funds to bring somebody on to do this as a consultant as I mean I see what Seattle did and I'm just like what I'm pretty shocked yeah, that you know that is what right. that is but I'm looking at it like teams organizations uh you know that that generate tons of money you know could could allocate money to bring in somebody to kind of and they're doing it they're doing it. They really are. There's a lot of universities. There's a lot of other institutions that are bringing in diversity people. But I think they're mm -hmm. te they're teaching diversity just through the eyes of race. And we're thinking diversity in the train of thought. Your thoughts yep. have to be that. Yep. That's where you're going to miss out on diversity. Is if you're not diverse yep, you're right. in mind and thought, and it's, you, you're going to miss out on the, the relation. You're just going to be a robot mm -hmm. repeating things that you don't really feel. And you just cause, yep. just because it, it, you know, you look at the staff, it looks like a rainbow. It makes you feel great. Like, oh, there's everybody's yep. represented. Everybody's represented. That's great. However, what's your mindset still? That's what needs to be addressed. And, you know, I don't know, man. I, I get kind of fired up about those types of things as a minority myself. Uh, I, get, mm -hmm. I get fired up. And I don't get hateful, but it, it does. It leads to a passion of mine. And that's like what you said, to bridge gaps. I love to bridge yeah, gaps. Yeah. Generational gaps, yeah. racial gaps, gender gaps, yeah. all that. Those, those, that's what we're called yeah. to do, to fill in the gaps. So, and I really do appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I'm getting worked up, man. About to run through a wall. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I get, I get, I get so frustrated when people are in leadership positions and they refuse to take on their responsibility. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I'm I'm specifically talking about our world, the basketball world. Yeah. You know, I I'm I'm, I'm talking about you know some of these head coaches, assistant coaches, GMs, all these different people who refuse to lead, and and or or refuse to get help in their deficiencies. Mm. Everybody don't know how to lead. It's okay. But it's such an ego-driven business. Sports in general is ego-driven. But the good ones find people to help them in their blind spots, in their weak spots. And that's okay. You know, it's it's okay. (laughs) You know, so... Um, that's where my frustration is at times, and you know the things that I that I'm not good at or I don't think I'm great at. That's okay. I I hired an assistant for that. So where I'm I'm weak at, my assistant is phenomenal at. But at the end of the day, we're we're it's it's about the players. Yeah. You know, and so so many times I see people focusing on themselves. It's nauseating. Well, I think here again, you talk about ego. Uh, ego's natural. That's natural. Like everybody has, two year olds have egos. Three, you, know, mm-hmm. you get a toy, you fill in yourself. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think what doesn't come natural is humility. And that's what you need mm-hmm. to work on. What doesn't come natural, you work on. It's just like player development. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to work on your strengths and make sure that's that's your meal ticket to get to where you want to be. But at the end of the day, whatever whatever makes you uncomfortable is what you should be working on. Being comfortable, mm-hmm. being uncomfortable with humility yep. is something that you need to learn to do. Be more humble, and, and it goes a mm-hmm. long way. Now, Coach, I want to ask you this question because I know you still got a long time. You, you, you're around the same age as me, so we both got a long time in this game and still have a lot to do. But I would ask you kind of a, as a question about legacy because – we always want to work. You've you've completely eloquently stated everything that that you're about, and I and I love it, man. And I mm-hmm. and I'm, it confirms a lot of things within my spirit about how I believe coaching needs to take place. It needs to be conducted and relationally and all that. So I'd ask you, what would you want to be said of you when your career is all said and done? That I was a I was a leader. I was a leader. And I was a master communicator. And I cared, you know, but the thing about leading, man, um, I do a a speech on leadership, and lead is listen, educate, acknowledge, and demonstrate. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what, that's exactly how I lead. Mm -hmm. I lead leaders. If you have no desire to be a leader in your family, if you have no desire to be a leader in your community, if you have no desire to be a leader on this on this particular team, I'm the wrong coach for you. If you want to just follow me, I'm not, I'm I'm the wrong coach. Yeah. But if you want to lead, if you want to be an effective leader in your home, in your community, in your church, in in, in the society, I will help you. I can I can't help you. I need leaders, right? And so that uh, being a part of my legacy, and I care. I care about everybody and everything, and, and and basketball is not it's not the ultimate for me. The wins and losses 
on the school board is not the ultimate for me. Those happen organically. Yeah. You know, I, I was I was fortunate enough to be a part of USA Basketball a couple of years ago, and uh, and I worked under Jeff Van Gundy. In training camp, Greg Popovich came down and spent some time with us, and we all went we all went to dinner. And to listen how Greg Popovich cares about his players, it's amazing. Yeah. So when Greg Popovich, you see Greg Popovich getting on getting on Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, or Tony Parker, what we don't see is the countless hours he has poured and invested into, into them as men, as people, as husbands, you know, as fathers, right? And so that's what I inspire to be. I don't want, I don't only want success. I want significant success. Wow. Success whereas I've helped somebody else succeed. Yeah. Success where I've, I've, I've laid a foundation here that people can build on. That's the type of success I'm looking for. And so uh, I've been fortunate to, to spend that time with, with Coach Jeff and Coach Pop, and I, I was just like a big sponge, man. So my legacy, uh, I want to be known as a, a leader of leaders uh, uh, and, a, and a coach of men, not only their talent. Yeah. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you're talking about, you know. Mm -hmm. that. Good stuff, man. Coach, I really appreciate this. I really do. It's been it's yeah. been, it's been real. It's been enlightening. And I know it'll be a blessing to anybody listening. And uh so here again, man, I thank you so much for your time. Man, absolutely my my pleasure. Uh, I wish you uh good luck and blessings on your future um endeavors, man. Thank you. Thank you so much.